Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Today, as we walk through our, our story here in Genesis, I'm going to be making some applications that connect between this story and kind of where we are as a church. Um, and hopefully these will also transfer over into where you are in your life, okay? So if you think, oh, he's just going to be talking about church stuff all day. No, like this applies to us. Like it's good practical stuff that's going to apply just in your everyday life as well. Um, but where we are in this story, um, we're in Genesis 45, starting in verse 8. Where, where we are is Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, right? Um, and then he ended up going through all the bad stuff. He ends up in charge in Egypt. He has been in charge of making sure there was food for the famine because he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh saying, hey, there's going to be seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh said, you're pretty smart. I'm putting you in charge of making sure we have food from the seven good years for the seven bad years. Seven bad years start. Um, Joseph's brothers get hungry and they say, hey, we hear there's food in Egypt. Their dad says, go get it. Um, And so they go to Egypt. They see Joseph. Joseph does this, this whole thing we looked at last week. Um, with kind of testing his brothers and figuring out where they are and if they still are in the same place of the guys that uh, had sold him into slavery um, or if they have changed. Uh, and then at the end of last week, we saw uh, him revealing himself to them and explaining to them, hey, what you intended for bad, what, what you did, it actually was all part of God's plan. God's plan put this all into place. He set this all into motion. And I am here in this place. We have food for all of us. Uh, we, like tons of people are being saved through this famine literally because you did what you did. Uh, it was all part of God's plan to start with. And so let's pick up with that um, in Genesis 45, starting in verse 8. So it's not you who sent me here, but God... He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the house of Goshen and you shall be near me and you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you. For there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and and wept upon them, and after that his brothers talked with him. Then the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come, and it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beast and go back to the land of Canaan. And take your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this. 
Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers uh, away, and as he departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the way. Now, why do you think he had to say that? (laughs) Because he gave Benjamin more? (laughs) I think it was because they had a, a tough thing coming. They're on their way home to tell their dad that they've been lying to him for 20 years. And that their brother that they sold into slavery, who he's been mourning for for 20 years, is still alive. Now, I'm pretty sure that conversation would go something like, not it. (laughs) Right? So, do not quarrel on the way. So, they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Now, Here we see Joseph lay out the plan for his brothers on how he plans to provide for the family, to take care of the family. Um, He's like, look, here's the deal. There's five more years of famine that are coming. um, And why would you travel back and forth just to get grain when I can set you up here? I can set the whole family up here. In fact, I can give you the best land um, for the flocks that Egypt has. I'm going to give that to our family for our family to take care of here. Um, And it seems like the perfect plan. It seems like, yeah, this is, this is a great plan. This, this makes total sense. Why keep doing this long journey? Um, and why keep doing all this other stuff when we can just move here? We can just move here. We can move all our flocks, all our family here um, and everything. And we will all be great. And in fact, even when this comes to Jacob, Jacob's just over, overwhelmed by, by all of the emotion of the fact that Joseph is still alive. And he's like, yeah, I'm going. I'm going to see him before I die. And, and that's where Jacob's at. And so he's, he's ready to go. But I want to, I want to tell us, I want to give a word of caution here. At this point of the story, nowhere do we see God saying, this is my plan. This is what I want to have happen. And so I want to make that connection for us in our lives and even in our church's life. Many times we can come at things and we can have a really good plan. I mean, we can have a great plan. Like it, it can be like the best plan ever of any plan that's ever planned. But if it's not God's plan, it's not what we need. Okay. And so the very next verse, it goes into this. 
So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba. So he starts, he starts taking off. He starts heading in that way. And he offered sacrifices to God, the father of Isaac. And so he does stop and he does an act of worship before he goes. He stops to commune with God, with the one true God, with the Lord Almighty. And then God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And he said, I am the God of the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. And so here, God comes to him in a dream and God reveals, yes, this is my plan. I'm going to make you into, you know, I've been promising a great nation. I've been promising multitudes of people um, to your grandfather, to your father, to you. Um, That's going to happen in Egypt. That's where this is all going to take place. That's where it's going to transpire. Yes, go down. This is my plan. And so I want to encourage us as a church, as we're looking to the future, and this is why the elders have come to the church to ask you guys to join us in praying and fasting over this, is because we want to have God's plan for our church moving forward. Each of us can come to the table with great ideas. I mean, we've had some doozies. But at the end of the day, if it's not God's plan, if it's not what he wants, it doesn't matter. We want what he wants. And so even with the best plan, it's important to seek the Lord as to whether it's his plan. Whether it is his plan is what matters. So apply that to the church, but apply that to your personal life. Maybe you're dealing with a, a, a major decision or, or, or something and, and you're, you're trying to wrestle through, like, what do I do in this situation? Do I do this? Do I do this? The important thing to ask is, what does he want? What does he want for you in your life at this point? In which direction would, would he have you to go? I can remember several times when I was uh, a younger guy, a youth pastor at the church I came from. And uh, it was a larger church, um, but there were several times where the leadership, we were making some major decisions. Um, and, and several times we, I was, I was on within a group in the leadership, we're like, yeah, we need to go for this. We need to do this thing. It's going to be amazing. Can you imagine how great this is going to be if we're, if we do this, like if we do this, like the kingdom is just going to grow in amazing ways. It's just, it's just going to be phenomenal. We, we got to do this. But as we talk about it with leadership and some older, wiser, godlier men on the elder board would pray about it they would come back on several occasions and they would say, you know, we don't, we don't think God's in that. We, we don't think that's where God's leading us to go. So, of course, for me as, as a younger guy, I'm like, get kind of frustrated. I'm like, this was going to be amazing. Why are you guys killing this? This was going to be so awesome. Well, then let a little bit of time go by. And then we're looking back on what God has done and we're looking at it and said, man, if we had done that, if we had made that decision, how bad would that have been right now? 
Thank the Lord for those guys who are willing to go to the Lord and say, no, this isn't where he's leading us. But equally, we had, we had major times of well, things that, that were major steps of faith and major like, hey, we really got to throw things out there and, and take a leap of faith here. And we had affirmation where the Lord was saying, yes, do this. I am in this. I want to see this. Some of those decisions happened uh, relating specifically to Brittany and I as, as we were a part of, of starting a satellite campus for that church and some major steps that, that we were like, we don't know what we're doing, we, we, but we're, we're following the Lord in this. And now we, we go back years later and they have a whole full uh, amazing facility on a property and hundreds of people coming and worshiping the Lord together. And it's like, wow, it's because we said yes to following the Lord and pulling trailers and setting up church in a school building and all these kind of things that these little small steps along the way that now God has blessed them in the way that he has where that thing is where it is now. Many of you here at Potter's have that same story. I'm looking at, at those of you guys that were here when I got here and you knew God had said this church isn't done yet. And even though there was just a handful of you, each step of the way, you're saying, what's next? We're waiting on the Lord. We're seeking the Lord and where he's taking us next. And so as, as we've grown as a church, I want to make sure we maintain that DNA of the fact that we're waiting on the Lord for him to show us what's next as a church. We're not stepping out in our own wisdom and our own guidance. Um, yes, we need to have good plans like Joseph has here. We need to come up with, with good, good ideas. We need to seek him in that. Um, but ultimately, we need to be dependent on what does he have planned for us? Let's keep going in scripture. Genesis uh, 46, starting in verse 5. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, their little ones, and their wives, and the wagons that Pharaoh had sent them to carry him. And they also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Now these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt. Jacob and his sons. Okay, so warning, a lot of names coming, all right? Hang in there with me. If you need to take a little nap, now would be the time. We'll wake you up in a second, all right? So here's the names. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shau, the sons of the Canaanite woman, uh, the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the sons of Judah, Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah, but Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. Uh, the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hemuel, the sons of Issachar, Tola, Puva, Job, and Shimron, the sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jahlehel. Uh, these are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob and paid in Aram, together with her, his daughter Dinah. All together, his sons and daughters numbered 33. Uh, the sons of Gad, Ziphion, Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Orodi, and Arieli. 
the sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, Beria, and the Sarah, his, their sister, and the sons of Beria, Heber, and Malachil. These are sons of Zelpha, uh, whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter, and these are born to Jacob, 16 persons. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, uh, Joseph and Benjamin, and the sons of Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath and the daughter of Potiphar, the, the priest of On, bore him. And the sons of Benjamin, Bela, Becker, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupin, Hupim, and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. The sons of Dan, Husham, the sons of Naphtali, Jaziel, Guni, Jezer, and Shelem. These are the sons of Bilha, who Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came into Egypt, who were his own descendants, not including Jacob's son's wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. And the, and the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. All right. So, yeah. Hooked on phonics. All right. Um, but yes, yeah, so we see here this long list of all these names. And we usually get to that and we kind of go, huh, what does this have to do with me? Okay, so they were born to a Canaanite woman. All right, that's great. Those two died. Okay, yeah, we already covered that. Um, but what is, what is our takeaway from this? God has already revealed to Jacob 20 chapters earlier the fact that his family was going to go into a foreign land and become a great nation there and be there for 400 years. He's already revealed that earlier in Genesis. So here we're seeing God, he's already laid the groundwork, the, the foundation, the groundwork is already in place by the fact that there's 70. There's 70 of them when they start out in Egypt. And now this was, it's thought that Genesis was most likely written to those who were coming out of Egypt, that Moses wrote this down for them as, as a heritage, as a history, um, as God's word, um, so that they can know where they've come from as a people. And at that point, it's thought that there's one to two million of them. Seventy go in, 400 years, one to two million come out. And what we can see from this is the fact that God is faithful. We see this over and over in Genesis. So if I made this point like every sermon, it's because it's in it like all through the Bible, like all through Genesis especially. God is faithful. He's showing his faithfulness here. He said, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm promising you this. And you know what's happening? Exactly what God promised. He is faithful. And so when we, we come to plans and we come to these things and, and he leads you in the direction you need to go, you also need to trust him that he's going to help you along the way in the steps that need to happen for whatever it is that is his plan. Now, we get to Jacob and Joseph reunited. Remember the last time they saw each other? Jacob's given Joseph his fancy coat he sent him off to go spy on his brothers, to give report back to him about what they're doing. 
And then they haven't seen each other again since. He had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen, and then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. I don't know why he's always ready to die. Like he's, especially in this, this, today's passage, he's like, I'm ready to die now. Um, Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds and they have been keepers of livestock. And they brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keeper of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So what is Joseph doing? Joseph's using the Egyptians' snobbery to give his family the best land for raising their flocks. He's saying, hey, if you let it know that you're a shepherd, they're not going to want to intermingle with you. So wait, you know what you get? You get this whole area over here. It's all yours. And so he's using the Egyptians kind of against themselves. But we see, see here first is, is the fact of how much of an encouragement is to Joseph to see his father again. And how much encouragement it is uh, to Jacob or Israel to see Joseph again. They have this major emotional moment of weeping and just being glad and apparently ready to die now. Um, like just, just this amazing moment together. And this should remind us of the fact that God's people should be a blessing to one another. God's people should be a blessing to one another. When we come into this place, we should be encouraging one another. It should be encouragement to us to see each other, be lifted up by each other. Um, we should have this kind of moment, maybe not this level, right? Like, I, I don't need all the tears and kissing, but, um, but yeah, so some of you do, though. So if you need the tears and kissing, go for it. Um, holy kisses only, though. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, I digress. Um, the point is, when we come into this place, when we come into our church, it should be a, a place of, I'm home. I'm together. I'm united with, with those who are also following Jesus with me. It should be an encouraging place. But let me offer a word of warning, though. Whenever God is at work, and whenever things are happening in ministries that are good, when growth is happening, that is the places where the enemy is going to want to target. One of the proven tactics that the enemy has used for thousands of years is to get Christians sideways with each other. There's no better way to get a church off track and off mission than to get us arguing with each other. And so just a word of caution as we look to the future, as we look to where we, we want to see where God is taking us, the easy thing 
be to be like the brothers and have that quarrel happening along the way. So let's take Joseph's advice, don't quarrel, but instead let's be an encouragement and a blessing to each other in the way that they are to each other in this passage. Okay, just a little more scripture and then we'll wrap up for today. One last section. Chapter 47, so Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all their possessions have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. So then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained the days and the years of the lives of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. And then Joseph settled his brothers and um, settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses. And as Pharaoh had commanded, and Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's households with food, according to the number of their dependents. So we see here that Jacob comes in. And what would you think this interaction would be like? Jacob before Pharaoh. You would think, well, well, Pharaoh would be the one in the higher position, right? That Pharaoh would be the one that Jacob would be humbly coming before and just saying, thank you. Thank you for saving my family. Thank you for letting us live here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We are so just servants of yours. But instead, what we see happening is Jacob comes into the situation and he is the richer man. Why? Because he knows the one true God. Pharaoh is a man who worships many gods. He he has all of the worldly things going on. But Jacob knows the one true God. And in that, and out of that relationship with God, he is a blessing to Pharaoh. He is the the bigger man in the room in the situation, and he offers this blessing over Pharaoh and blesses Pharaoh in this situation. And this should remind us as well um, that as we, we look to the future, God's plan for us as a church is not just for who's in this room right now. God puts his people in places where they can be a blessing to others. 
And so as, as we talk about and as we think about um, what's in store next or what we need moving forward, we're not just thinking about who's already in the room. Because if we're just thinking about who's in the room, then we're fine, right? I mean, there's a few extra chairs here today, and we know who's not here, and they could fill in those chairs, and then we're okay. And we're like, well, I've got my parking spot, so okay. So if you're just worried about your parking spot and your chair, well, then it's here for now until somebody else beats you here. So you know you got to get here early enough, right? (laughs) But if we have a kingdom mindset, if we have a Jesus mindset, then we know that what God has put in us is not just for us, but it's to be a blessing to others. That's why we wore out Bruce this morning with announcements. (laughs) Did you catch half of those? Half of those were about blessing others. Our tubs over here are about being a blessing to others. It's just filling my heart with joy to see you guys coming in during the week and dropping stuff off. And um, (laughs) uh, two of the ladies that came in were just cracking me up because... um, I shop out of necessity, like I need something, so I go get it. These ladies, I think, were like as close as they could get to heaven um, by the fact that they got to go shopping, right? And so they were just jumping up and down, coming in. I'm like, I'm so glad that God gifts us all differently, you know? Like they have the gift of shopping and they're using it for his kingdom. Like that's, that's just amazing. Um, Another story from this week, um, we've been talking about the, the sifting with the Samaritan's Purse, and uh, Brenda uh, was telling me that she's been out a couple times um, with, with them working on teams, and one of the, one of the families that, that she was there helping sift through the rubble was a young couple, um, I think newlyweds, their first home kind of situation. Uh, they had only been in it for months, um, and as, as one of the few where they go out sifting and they literally hardly found anything um, that they could bless this family with. But she said that, that when they go out in that situation, the chaplains with, with Samaritan's Purse come with them. And so as the team was out sifting, the chaplains were over talking to the homeowners they were having a conversation and sharing and the homeowner said, you know, like we really enjoy talking with you. We've got to leave now. We've got to go do something else, but will you be here when we get back? And the chaplain said, well, sure. Yeah, I'll be here when you get back. And they came back and they continued their conversation. And at the end of it, these homeowners, the wife apparently had some history with church religion. The husband had none. But at the end of this conversation, they said, we want to give our lives to the Lord. And so I propose to you that that in that situation, they are far more wealthy now than before the fire. They're far better off now if, if, in fact, they now know Jesus, they know the power of his resurrection, the fact that he died on a cross, paying punishment for sin, that he rose again three days later and he has purchased our eternity for us if we place our faith in him. They now are co-heirs with Christ, which is far better off. Do I wish they hadn't had to lose their home to get there? Absolutely. 
But I just want to offer that word of encouragement to you that even in the midst of, of all this that's going on, God is building his kingdom. He is doing work in people's lives. And we get to be a part of that. So as Brenda was telling me that story, she was just beaming, smile ear to ear on how exciting that was to get to be a part of that moment. And so my prayer is as, as we're putting these tubs together and we're going to include Bibles in all of them and backpacks for the kids, we're going to include kids' story Bibles and those are ordered, they're coming in. Uh, when we get all that together and we're sending those out, my prayer is God, use these to yes, meet their physical need, but show them the truth of the eternal need and how you are the answer. Meet them where they are and share your love and your mercy with them. I pray that we can be a blessing to our community in the same way that Jacob was a blessing to Pharaoh. And I wanna tell you like as that happens and as we continue to have that mindset as a church, that's where we're gonna be limited in our facilities because we're doing so much for the kingdom that this place can't hold it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you do help us to be faithful to you. I pray that you show us your plans that you have for us. I pray that in your faithfulness you you provide for us exactly what we need, both individually and as a church. Lord, I do pray for those who've lost homes and possessions due to the fires. Lord, I do pray that you provide for them, that you meet their physical needs, their, their earthly needs, but most of all, that you meet their spiritual needs. I pray that in this time, we can be great representatives for you that show your love and show your mercy and show just how generous you are by us being generous. And so, Lord, I pray that, that as your, your people will have an impact in our community at this time and in this place. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.